Welcome to the Personal Growth Podcast. I am so excited to start this journey with you guys. And also, this is a very poignant moment for me because if you were to tell me four years ago when I wanted to kill myself that I would be sat here doing a podcast on all things mental and emotional health, I would have bitten your arm off and honestly thought you were on a different planet. And it just goes to show how you can always change your situation. You can turn your life around, even if you feel like all hope is lost. And that's why, team, this podcast is called the Personal Growth Podcast, because it's to do with all things mental, emotional, physical health, but also personal development. Because from being depressed to where I am now, I've always wanted to learn and be curious about what is that middle gap? that period in between, what are the lessons that I've learned? What are the things that I can really take and give to people who might be out there really struggling? Because all the warning signs of me needing serious help were there and no one around me even thought twice about, is Jack okay? And I'm not sitting here blaming them at all. My point is, is sometimes it's so easy just to not be aware of your surroundings, even if it's for other people or if you're in denial, we can all get caught up with life when actually we forget to really reflect on, are we okay? And that's why I'm doing this podcast team, because I'm so, so passionate about mental health, emotional health, using my journey to help other people out there. Hopefully someone can relate and resonate with what I'm saying in these podcasts. But this first episode is going to be purely why this podcast. And it's good to give an understanding of if you haven't come across my page or if you just don't know who I am, who is Jack Stafford, basically. It all started back when I was 17 years old in sixth form at school. I had always had a little bit of anxiety when I was growing up as a boy. My mum always used to say I had. But this anxiety turned into uh, social anxiety. And when I mean social anxiety, I mean social anxiety to a point where I was withdrawing myself quite a lot. Withdrawing myself from my mates, from events, even though at the time they had absolutely no idea. And I just thought, oh, okay. This is just how I am. This is the new me. This is the new Jack. But I didn't realize it was actually the process of what was going through my brain. Because ill mental health, it is a complete reshift in chemical imbalances inside of your head. It's not just, oh, someone's got anxiety or someone's depressed. It is actual neuroscientific changes going on inside of your brain. And as this process was going on, I was just constantly withdrawing myself from things. And when you withdraw yourself from one thing, you do it again and again and again. And it almost becomes a point where it's actually really difficult to switch that back and to say yes. And you do, but it feels like a real effort. But this became a problem because, you know, I was not spending time with my friends my friend's been like, what's going on? Is he right? Sort of thing. He's just not coming to these events, not having any idea of kind of what I was going through. But I was like, right, okay, finish school. 
and there's a new chapter in my life coming up which I thought I'd be very excited for uni I was thinking right get away from home have my independence away from my parents for the first time properly fantastic so excited so off to uni I went and yet I did I realize you know the, the darkest days of my existence were coming up first year came and the novelty was all great because it's new people new surroundings you get all tied up and you're like oh fantastic nice to meet you bloody blah you hear about people's gap years gap years I should say about 20,000 million times so you you go on autopilot with the same conversation but you find your same you set your, your same kind of gang you get comfortable with whether it's your flatmates or whatnot but anyway I had a little friendship group, which was great. And we used to go out a lot all the time. And first year is just party, party. You know, you don't really do first year to work hard. You do it to pass in second year. And most people could agree with that. But within this was the danger of the party lifestyle. And you see, this is university for you because, you know, I, I'm very privileged to go to uni. I, I'm very aware of that, you know. Um, but you, you kind of deal with your surroundings at the time and there's a lot of drinking cultures people know but also the drug culture is big and I started to get into recreational drug use along with all the drink and alcohol but they went really hand in hand so I was doing both of them pretty much most nights out at one point but I just thought yeah this is good fun you know whatnot but then this is when it started to obviously get bad because you're in complete denial really of how you're feeling and you do all this stuff to avoid the pain of how you're really feeling but you're not you're not aware of this if you're not aware how how would you know but the drug use became really bad because I was there in my room I always remember this in first year where I was playing Call of Duty on the PlayStation about I'd wake up around about two o'clock in the afternoon which was pretty standard first year but then around about four I'd be doing kind of loans of cocaine with my flatmate and then we'd be playing Call of Duty and then sobering up, going out, doing more coke, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. You know, look back on that, I'm like, how do, does my body even function? But that became a habit, and that habit became destructive. And that was only at university abusing my body with those sort of things, because when I came home, I didn't do it. I didn't feel like I needed to. But then I was just feeling really flat at home, because that's what the drugs do. They make you change um, in your in your brain, all the neurotransmitters and how... Anyway, that's another podcast entirely but second year comes around and my behavior doesn't stop it carries on it gets destructive avoiding more social events and it got got to a point where I wasn't really invited as much because I just kept avoiding them all I was interested in second year went to very few lectures was just smoking weed smoking weed doing drugs any other drugs going out and just abusing my body and that was really how I f- reflected on how I felt inside. And I would look at myself in the mirror and I used to be so skinny and f- gone and just lost. I just didn't know myself. I didn't accept myself. I would look at myself in the mirror and just hate myself. And I know hate's a strong word, but I would. But I was still in denial about how bad I was feeling. And second year finishes. And then we come into third year. And third year is when the gym came into my life because my friends made me go. And I'm so grateful they did. I never really stepped foot in the gym properly. And that was the only time in my life where I felt good when I stepped out of the gym. Because people say endorphin release this, endorphin release that. And yes, 
that is a thing. But that's actually a process you go through almost in the sense of the endorphins being released, your body's not in pain during that workout or just after because the endorphins protect your body from pain. But what is the great thing about working out at that time was it was any time I was really present in my life. I was just focusing on going to the gym, working out with my mate. We kept each other accountable, which was fantastic. And then because it was the only time in my life where I felt good, I was like, yes, I need this. So I just hooked onto that, even though I was so skinny back then. Well, still am now really, but <laughs> some things never change. But I was just really, really skinny and insecure in my body. And I was there next to these guys that bench pressing, these bro lifters, classic bro lifters, bench pressing 100 kg. But I quickly realized that they didn't care. They didn't care that I wasn't lifting anything or how skinny I was. They were just so invested themselves. And that gave me a lot of confidence because I was really nervous about, you know, how I'd be perceived in the gym and whatnot, which is a very classic gym intimidation thing. So when I was going to the gym, this became a, into my lifestyle. But I was still doing, you know, the drugs because I still felt really bad with it myself as a coping mechanism. Hated my course. Didn't fit in with uni, didn't really fit in with my course, but I just kept going, kept going through it. And then first semester finished. And the reason I say this, this was the significant moment because ladies and gents, when I was suicidal at this point, I was thinking in ways of how do I end my own life? And I was getting really strong urges to end my own life. Sometimes in the car, I would have this like real urge to just put my but so much on the throttle and I would do this and I would drive really fast and just think, oh, if I drove into that junction, you know, hopefully someone wiped me out and it'll be all over. And I was so close to doing it quite a few times and something stopped me. This little white light in my head just stopped me. And I was just like, Jack, if you don't do something here, you're going to die. I just had this visual in my head of if I keep going down this path, I'm going to go down this really dark path into like this under forest where no one's going to find me. I'm going to get lost and all these spiders are going to climb down these trees and, you know, like in Lord of the Rings, like if any Lord of the Rings fans are out there, you know, Shelob who comes down with her pincers and tries to catch people on her web. That was kind of the vision I had in my head of the kind of the path I was going on. And I was thinking, that doesn't look good. And this was whilst, you know, I had one of my moments where I had that massive urge to drive into a T-junction. But then I was like, okay, you have a choice here. You can either carry on with how you are or you can take a step in trying to change something. And the other path was just a clear path. There was nothing there, but it was just clear. And that was the most important, important moment of my life. So... I was like, I've got to do something. And that's when I asked myself the most important question. And that question was, what do I do to make myself feel better? I wasn't focusing on the end goal of trying to be my happiest and most confident version of myself again. I was just focusing on how do I get myself just a little bit better? Just a little bit. So then a week later, during that semester holiday, uni holiday I should say my mum asked me a very very plain question and that question was she asked me because it was coming to the end of uni 
And she just asked me a plain question about what is it you want to do, talking in context about what I wanted to do after uni. And I just thought, I can't answer this in my head. I was just like, I don't know. I don't know anymore. And that was the moment I just broke down, like all the denial and the and the hiding things and just being like, I can't suffer any longer. Like, I just am a lost soul. I'm a gaunt soul and I just don't know myself. I don't like myself. I just don't want to exist, but I've got to do something. So I just broke down in tears, in floods of tears. And obviously my mum and dad were consoling me and they were so hurt to see me in that pain. And my mum just asked me, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. But I just said to her, mum, something's not right here. I didn't say I was depressed, but I just said, something's not right. I haven't been happy for a while and I really don't feel like myself. I just never will ever forget that day because I was outside. I was just on the bench crying and as scared as I was after my parents walked away and I just kind of dried the tears away from my face, I just felt like this bubble lifted off my shoulders. This weight just, oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot begin to describe how it felt. And I knew the long journey ahead. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't denying that, but just the fact that I was just like, I did it. And I was so proud of myself for just saying something. And that gave me the confidence in time to open up to my sister a couple of days later. And then I started opening up to my friends. This was all whilst writing my thoughts down. The writing of the thoughts gave me the confidence to open up to my sister and my friends too. And then that gave me the confidence to go and seek therapy, which was incredible, allowed me to really heal. But the journey didn't end there because I knew even though therapy was making major breakthroughs, I needed still to really heal. And I decided, right, okay, I'm going to get away from this country. I associated the UK with negativity, with unhappiness, with darkness, with being depressed. So I was like, right, I need to get away from this. So me and my friend decided to go traveling down under in Australia, down to my Aussie mates down under, dodgy Australian accent, but forever grateful for that time. Met some amazing people. But that really pushed me outside my comfort zone because I was going to social events where I didn't know anyone, but I couldn't say no. But that little moments like that gave me real confidence because I was like, you can do this. Meeting, you know, people who are really interesting, who don't know your background, so there's no prejudgment. You can just almost rewrite your story. And three and a half months of traveling was, you know, at that moment in time, the best, best moment in my life in terms of how it transformed my mental health healing journey. And when I came back from traveling, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I still had no idea. I very nearly kind of stayed out in Australia because I met this girl, but I decided to move on, needed to kind of carry on with my journey of healing for my mental health. That was my priority. And when I got back, I was like, right, I don't know what I want to do, but I'm going to work on the farm. And I worked on a farm before traveling because it was just like, I just needed somewhere where I got money for funding traveling but also just so I wasn't around people honestly ladies and gents it was at that point and then when I got back I was like okay still don't know what I want to do but do you know what I'm going to still work on the farm 
And the farm team was the most humbling experience of my life. But what was so powerful about it was it really stripped my ego. I was no one on the farm. And that was incredibly empowering looking back on it because no job is too big or too small for anyone. The guy who owned the farm, David, got on really well with him. But he'd have been a farmer for 30 plus years. It was his farm. And he was doing some of the dirty jobs with me. And I'm thinking, God, good for you. You know, I couldn't imagine someone, you know, in a corporate environment, you know, head really high up doing a job of, of the PA sort of thing. It's just a different world farming. And the fact that I was no one, I didn't have anyone around me, I was in nature, really like gave me the headspace that I needed. And being there for quite a while, nearly nearly a year, I would just really grew from that experience because it was tough, but I needed that in my life. I needed to be stripped down. And then my mum turned around to me one day when I was working on the farm and she said, why don't you do something you love? You know, you love being outdoors. You love your fitness. What about going to the fitness industry? Boom. That was the moment. And I was like, right, okay. Obviously I had self-doubt because I was like, oh, don't you have to be big to be a PT? All this self-doubt creeping in, going out outside your comfort zone, which now being in the fitness industry for nearly two years now, I've learned very much that's not the case. But obviously at the time, all this changes a little bit going out your comfort zone. But anyway, took the plunge. And yeah, studied to be a PT whilst on the farm. And then, as they say, the rest is history. Getting a job in London, in and out of lockdowns, blah, blah. That's a completely different story anyway. I don't want to bore you with that one. But that's where I am today. And there was one moment where I woke up one morning. And I just thought, do you know what? My journey stands for something. I know there are a lot of people out there who come out the other end of depression. And I say come out the other end because it it, it is honestly, because people, that suicide is huge from depression, you know. And when you do come out the other end, when you do have depression and then you kind of heal from it, it is almost like a, being a survivor from it. And that's genuinely how I see it. So when I came out the other end, I was just like, I've got to use my journey for something, you know. I lacked that person to turn to or someone to relate to, someone young, you know, especially being guys who find it so hard to talk about the headspace with this whole manly persona, bollocks. That's for another episode entirely. But I was just like, I'm going to use my journey for good, you know. So that's when I came public with my mental health story when I posted it on Facebook. And ever since, really, I've just gotten more open about my story. But then it turned from just talking about my story to try and help other people and resonate with other people. I dove. I, I dove. Apologies, ladies and gents. I just delved so much deeper into what is the reason behind depression? What's going on? You know, there's so much to someone with mental health, ill mental health, someone struggling. What is going on in that person's life? What is the psychology behind human behavior? And ever since I've just made it, you know, my life's work to learn about mental and emotional health, learning from the best, applying it to myself, using it for my for my life and really feeling the benefits of you know, my research and other people's work too. 
So that's why I'm here today talking about this podcast to you guys, because it gives me no greater purpose in life than to, even if there's just one of you out there listening, it gives me no greater purpose than someone out there just being like, he knows what I'm going through. He knows the struggles that I'm in, or maybe not even just someone who's, if you're out there not struggling, maybe you're just like uninspired in your life thinking, is this it? Because what, I, what I've learned is we can always change our situation around, even when we sometimes feel like we're stuck. But there is always, always a solution to the problems we have, and that is life, problem solving, going from one problem to the next. When we focus on that, providing or coming up with the solutions to those problems, we can always create the life we want to live. And I'm not sit, sitting here, you know, head in the clouds and talking about, you know, some people in really, really poor countries who would do anything for like half a tin of beans. Like I'm so aware of, you know, geographically, we are so blessed to be in, in the UK or if you're listening from Australia or whatnot, we are so blessed to be born in these geographical locations. But I'm relating to, you know, my story and how what I've gone through within kind of our, our society and our world, that's what I want to relate it to because I can't speak for guys going through that. I can only imagine how hard that is. So we've got to be so grateful for what we have. But this is the thing. When you're depressed, you lose perspective of things. You lose sight of the bigger picture. And this is what I find incredibly interesting. And this is why I'm here today, ladies and gents. Understanding depression, understanding how we can create the life we want to live, but also just living life with great emotion and energy and purpose and that is what this podcast is about and I really do hope ladies and gents thank you for listening that you get something from this because even if there's just one person out there who really gets some value from this then it's always worth it and on that note team I am going to be signing off for this first podcast and within these podcasts we're going to be talking all things physical, mental, emotional health, personal development, but also in between some episodes, if you do have any questions, please do contact me on Instagram, Jack Stafford PT. Send me a DM and I will do some episodes where we can answer some of those questions because I'm not going to claim to be a guru or psychologist, but I can relate it to what I've learned and from my story too in a really relatable and digestible way. So I'm really looking forward to that. If you do have questions, please send them over to Jack Stafford PT on Instagram. But until the next episode, uh, guys, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and be grateful for what we have. Stay healthy and see you for the next one.